0: Father, in the name of Jesus, as we continue to uh, honor you, Lord God, this evening, we pray that you would just bless the gift and the giver here tonight concerning our offerings. Well, again, Lord, we say thank you for providing for the church financially, nurturing the church financially. And Father, we pray right now that you would bless the reading of your word, anoint it, Lord God, give it life. Allow it, Lord God, to accomplish that, Lord Jesus, which you purpose in your heart to accomplish. Lord Jesus, we know it does not return void. And so, Lord, we pray that you will anoint me personally as a a speaker here tonight, that your word, Lord Jesus, would be from you and not from me. In Jesus' name we pray and all God's people said, amen. Amen. Very good. Okay, Galatians chapter 1. as we have already said so now i say again if anybody is preaching to you a gospel other than what you accepted let them be under god's curse i think we can all agree that's a very powerful and strong statement that the apostle paul is making amen and it's a negative statement uh, and a harsh statement, especially uh, in pertaining to those that want to mess with the Word of God. But it's important for us to know that. Now, a couple of weeks ago, we looked at verse 7 here. And we learned that some false teachers had infiltrated the churches in Galatia. Remember, there was a group of churches in the, uh, in the we're going to call it the state or the province of Galatia. And they were perverting the gospel, which was also causing a lot of confusion and we know that our god is truth and that the word of god or the scriptures teach us the truth john 17 17 says this sanctify them by the truth your word is truth this book called the holy bible is the truth and there is no other truth church no matter what anybody else says jesus said this about himself in john chapter 14 verse 6. Jesus says this about himself. He says, Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Okay? So the scriptures also teach us that our God is not the author of confusion, but of peace. 1 Corinthians 14, 33 says this, for God is not the author of confusion, but of peace, as in all the churches of The saints. In the churches of Galatia, the devil was using people of influence to pervert the gospel of Jesus Christ and to cause confusion in the churches. Listen, that's why you and I cannot get caught up with people's personalities, with people's charisma, with people's uh, expert ability to communicate. We have to focus on Jesus Christ as King and Lord of our lives. Can you say amen, church? Because there's people out there, man, they're very charismatic they're very powerful speakers and they can they're very good at convincing or manipulating us into believing something that is not the truth or even sometimes even in trying to intimidate us to believe something that's not the truth and we mentioned a couple of weeks ago and that we know that from the very beginning of time the the, the, the devil specialized in lying and causing confusion to the people of god listen to the words of jesus christ our lord found in john chapter 8 verse 44 this is what Jesus says about our enemy, the devil. He says, you belong to your father, the devil, and you want to carry out your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. You've got to to recognize when the enemy is messing with you you've got to recognize when the enemy is lying to you and the only way that you will be able to know or recognize if the enemy is lying to you is if you know what the truth is and when you know the truth he can't get away with lying to you because the truth will always set you free always but if you don't know the truth you're going to be in trouble that's why you and i need to know the word of god amen Because the word of God is the truth. Now, so, one of the most effective weapons that our enemy has is his ability to lie and cause confusion. And it began from the very, Jesus said, from the very beginning he was a liar. And it began with Adam and Eve. We learned this a couple of weeks ago. We looked at Genesis chapter 3 and learned that when the devil first came to Eve, Eve did really well and responded to the devil's lie with the truth. We saw that last week. As soon as Eve realized that she was dealing with a liar, she should have fled. She should have uh, ran away. That's what the Bible says we're to do when temptation comes. If we can get out of there, we need to get out of there. Now, if we have to face it and deal with it and go into battle with it, then we battle with it. But if there's a way for us to escape and get out of there, we need to get out of there. Can you say amen, church? That's what Eve should have done. But sadly, Eve continued to have a conversation with the devil. Instead of realizing that this beautiful and fascinating and amazingly dazzling creature was dangerous to her and lying to her, we learned that Eve continued to dialogue with the devil. That should be a title of a sermon or a movie. Don't Dialogue with the devil. Don't flirt with the devil. As soon as you recognize that the devil is messing with you, get out of there. Get out of there and don't mess with it. And we learn that Eve continued to dialogue with the devil and then Eve did something that is forbidden for us to do as people of God. She added to the word of God. In Genesis chapter 3, verses 1 through 3, let me just read that to you. And we're going to remind ourselves of what it says in verse 3. Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? And then Eve responded correctly when she said in verse 2, the woman said to the serpent, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden. But God did say in verse 3, you must not eat fruit from from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it, or you will die. Sadly, Eve added those words, and you must not touch it. If you look at Genesis chapter 2, 17, God never said that. Eve added those words, and she got herself in trouble. Sadly for Eve, she was guilty of adding something to the Word of God that God never said, and God warns us not to do that. Revelation chapter 22, verses 18 and 19. I warn everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this scroll, if anyone adds anything to them, God will add to that person the plagues described in this scroll. And if anyone takes words away from this scroll of prophecy, God will take away from that person any share in the tree of life and in the Holy Spirit which are described in this scroll deuteronomy chapter 4 verse 1 and verse 2 now israel hear the decrees and laws i am about to teach you follow them so that you may live and may go in and take possession of the land the lord the god of your ancestors is giving you do not add to what I command you and do not subtract from it but keep the commands of the Lord your God that I give you. Deuteronomy 12:32. Again, see that you do all I command you, do not add to it or take away from it. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5, 30, verses 5 and 6. For every word of God is flawless. He is a shield to those who take refuge in him. Do not add to his words or he will rebuke you and prove you a liar. So sadly... Eve was guilty of adding to God's Word. She was guilty of making God's Word more strict than it really was. She was guilty of exaggerating God's Word. She was guilty of overstating God's Word. She was guilty of overspeaking for God or misrepresenting God. This is exactly what was happening to the Christians that were in the churches in Galatia. There were people coming and in and adding to the Word of God, making the gospel more complicated than it really was, making salvation more complicated than it really was, and, and adding requirements for salvation that go beyond the cross so now we come to galatians chapter 1 verse 8 and verse 9 and it says this but even if we or an angel from heaven should preach a gospel other than the one we preach to you let them be under god's curse as we have already said so now i say again if anybody is preaching to you a gospel other than what you accepted let them be under God's curse here the apostle paul is warning us not to allow ourselves to be deceived or to deviate away from the simplicity of The gospel. Jesus Christ was conceived of the Holy Spirit. Jesus Christ was born of the Virgin Mary. Jesus Christ lived a pure and sinless life. Jesus Christ was tortured and humiliated and humbled and suffered injustice and was crucified on the cross. Jesus Christ gave his body and blood on the cross and died for the sins of the world. On the third day, Jesus Christ rose from the dead and he ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. And and he said that he is coming back again for his church. He said he is coming back again for his church. Church, do you believe that Jesus Christ is coming back for his church? This is the gospel. Listen to what it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 1 through 4. It says this. Now, brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you received and on which you have taken Your stand. By this gospel, you are saved. If you hold firmly to the word I preached to you, otherwise you have believed in vain. For what what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance that Christ, here's the gospel, Christ died for our sins, according to the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day, according to, to the scriptures. This is the gospel. Don't mess with the gospel. Don't add or take away from the gospel. Don't complicate the message of the gospel. It's very simple. Jesus Christ came. He died. He rose again, and he defeated sin, hell, and the the grave for you and for me, and now we get to go to heaven because of it. Don't mess with it. It's very simple. God's Word stands alone by itself with authority and with power. He doesn't need your help. He doesn't need my help. No. All we have, to do is speak god's word i love what it says in isaiah 55 verses 10 and 11 it says this as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return to it without watering the earth and making it bud and flourish so that it yields seed for the sower and bread for the eater so is my word that goes out from my mouth it will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. Every time you speak God's word, guess what? It's going to do damage to the devil. It's going to do damage to the enemy. It's going to tear down his lies, his deception. It's going to just destroy it and tear it down listen to what it says here in the book of Hebrews it says this in Hebrews chapter 4 verse 12 it says for the Word of God is living and active sharper than any double-edged sword it penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit joints and and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give account. Church, how many of you would agree God doesn't need our help? Can you say amen? His word stands alone. His word stands. Is powerful. Your word, my word, nothing. God's word, everything. Can you say amen, church? Go ahead, Manny, and start turning on the television because I want to show some videos to you guys that uh, refer to what I'm talking about here because the Bible says here that the Apostle Paul tells us that, check this out, even if an angel from heaven appears to tell us something that deviates from this truth, we are to ignore the angel. Even if it's an angel and he's telling us something that's not the gospel, we need to ignore the angel. 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 1 through 4 says this. I hope you will put up with me in a little foolishness. Yes, please, put up with me. I am jealous for you with a godly jealousy. I promised you to one husband, to Christ, so that I might present you as a pure virgin to him. But I am afraid that just as Eve was deceived by the serpent's cunning, your minds may somehow be led astray from your sincere and pure devotion to Christ. For if someone comes to you and preaches a Jesus other than the Jesus we preach, or if you receive a different spirit from the spirit you received, or a different gospel from the one you accepted, you put up with it easily enough. Verse 13 says this in 2 Corinthians 11, verse 13 continues and it says this, For such people are false apostles, deceitful workers, masquerading as apostles of Christ, and no wonder, listen to this, for Satan himself masquerades as an angel of light. It is not surprising then if his servants, other demons, also masquerade as servants of righteousness, their end will be what their actions deserve. That means that there are spiritual beings out there that look like angels, but they're counterfeit. They come from the devil. And they're sent to try to intentionally deceive you and me as a people of God. Are you guys listening to what I'm saying here tonight? Okay. You know, it's interesting that most of the false religions or even cults of the world are, have, were begun because someone saw an angel, what appeared to be an angel, and heard a message from that angel, and it led them to form a whole new doctrine. I'm going to just give you four of these examples. We're going to start off with a video showing... The Mormon church, how it began, because a man by the name of Joseph Smith, believe it or not, saw a vision of an angel, and it caused him to get all messed up. Go ahead and show that first video, uh, The God Makers, okay?
1: Mormonism teaches that trillions of planets scattered throughout the cosmos are ruled by countless gods who once were human like us. They say that long ago on one of these planets, to an unidentified god and one of his goddess wives, a spirit child named Elohim was conceived. This spirit child was later born to human parents who gave him a physical body. Through obedience to Mormon teaching and death and resurrection, he proved himself worthy and was elevated to godhood as his father before him. Mormons believe that Elohim is their heavenly father and that he lives with his many goddess wives on a planet near a mysterious star called Korah. Here, the God of Mormonism and his wives through endless celestial sex produced billions of spirit children. To decide their destiny, the head of the Mormon gods called a great heavenly council meeting. Both of Elohim's eldest sons were there Lucifer and his brother Jesus. A plan was presented to build planet Earth where the spirit children would be sent to take on mortal bodies and learn good from evil. Lucifer stood and made his bid for becoming savior of this new world. Wanting the glory for himself, he planned to force everyone to become gods, opposing the idea the Mormon Jesus suggested giving man his freedom of choice as on other planets. The vote that followed approved the proposal of the Mormon Jesus who would become savior of the planet Earth. Enraged, Lucifer cunningly convinced one-third of the spirits destined for Earth to fight with him in revolt. Thus, Lucifer became the devil and his followers the demons sent to this world, they would forever be denied bodies of flesh and bone. Those who remained neutral in the battle were cursed to be born with black skin. This is the Mormon explanation for the Negro race. The spirits that fought most valiantly against Lucifer would be born into Mormon families on planet Earth. These would be the lighter skinned people, or white and delightsome, as the Book of Mormon describes it. Early Mormon prophets taught that Elohim and one of his goddess wives came to earth as Adam and Eve to start the human race. Thousands of years later, Elohim, in human form once again, journeyed to earth from the star-based Kolob. this time to have sex with the Virgin Mary in order to provide Jesus with a physical body. Mormon apostle Orson Pratt taught that after Jesus Christ grew to manhood, he took at least three wives Mary, Martha, and Mary Magdalene. Through these wives, the Mormon Jesus, for whom Joseph Smith claimed direct descent, supposedly fathered a number of children before he was crucified. According to the Book of Mormon, after his resurrection, Jesus came to the Americas to preach to the Indians who the Mormons believe are really Israelites. Thus, the Jesus of Mormonism established his church in the Americas as he had in Palestine. the year 421 A.D., the dark-skinned Indian Israelites, known as Lamanites, had destroyed all of the white Nephites in a number of great battles. The Nephites' records were supposedly written on golden plates and buried by Moroni, the last living Nephite in the hill Camorra. Fourteen hundred years later, a young treasure-seeker named Joseph Smith who was known for his tall tales, claimed to have uncovered these same gold plates near his home in upstate New York. He is now honored by Mormons as a prophet because he claimed to have had visions from the spirit world in which he was commanded to organize the Mormon church because all Christian creeds were an abomination. It was Joseph Smith who originated most of these peculiar doctrines which millions today believe to be true. By maintaining a rigid code of financial and moral requirements and through performing secret temple rituals for themselves and the dead, the Latter-day Saints hope to prove their worthiness and thus become God's. The Mormons teach that everyone must stand at the final judgment before Joseph Smith, the Mormon Jesus, and Elohim. Those Mormons who were sealed in the eternal marriage ceremony expect to become polygamous gods in the celestial kingdom, rule over other planets, and spawn new families throughout eternity. The Mormons thank God for Joseph Smith, who claimed that he had done more for us than any other man, including Jesus Christ. The Mormons believe that he died as a martyr, shed his blood for us, so that we too may become gods.
0: Now, church, does the Bible say any of this stuff that is talked about here? None of it. None of it. And yet, this is what they believe. This is what they, Now, these are kind of old videos. There's another video that I want to show you. Okay? You know what? We're going to... Man, I don't want to skip it. Uh, let's go ahead and watch the cult explosion really quick, really quick, okay? This is just a trailer. This is a really old video that I watched when we were in the youth group, but it's still really a, a powerful video. Let's go ahead and see if we can pick that up right now, okay? It's called Cult Explosion. This is just a trailer, though.
1: I knew that Joseph Smith was a prophet. I believe the Book of Mormon to be the word of God. I believe that the Christian was really the lost person. I believe that even though you you worship my god you did a rather bad job of it the jehovah's witnesses believe that the 144,000 are the only ones who can really interpret the bible any people outside of the worldwide church of god were considered to be pagans and heathen and totally outside of of god they could not possibly be christians the personal control of your life goes down to makeup the clothes you wear the length of your skirt the length of your hair the presence of television in your home, which movies you go to, and the list goes on and on, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. It just goes on and on and on, the kind of food you can eat, the kind of clothes you can buy. And finally it stopped just outside the window, and the figure was life-size, and it was my great-grandmother. And grandmother had been dead for five years.
0: I had what's called an out-of-body experience where I felt like my soul was leaving my body and I was looking at myself sitting down on the bed. that frightened me because I was told that
1: TM was not spiritual. I'm just amazed that so many millions of Westerners do not realize that transcendental meditation, TM, is a Hindu cult. The Jesus of the cults is not the Jesus of the Bible. He's another Jesus. And the way you find out is to contrast the Jesus that they talk about with the Jesus revealed in Scripture. I realized that my search for God, which is what I was
0: really on, could be fulfilled when I found Jesus as my Messiah and my Savior.
1: The young man that introduced me to Christ is now my husband. And for the first time in my life, I realized that I was a sinner. There was no way that I could work my way to heaven. I'd never heard this before. i never heard anything like this in Hinduism. That God loves me or that a God died
0: for my sins.
1: I needed answers, I needed help. I was desperate and I had to have answers. And the answer came in the discovery that it is possible to have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. I had never known that in my whole life.
0: Okay, let's go ahead and watch the next one okay this is how the islamic religion got started okay and basically muhammad saw what he believes was the angel gabriel that spoke to him and he started of course the whole muslim faith so let's watch just the first 3 minutes of this okay just the first 3 minutes how islam began in under 10 minutes not a problem we started Okay, so travel back in time with me to a land far, far away and long, long ago. Mecca and Arabia, about the year 570. Mecca is important for two reasons. One, the Kaaba is there, an ancient temple built to worship God. And two, Muhammad, peace be upon him, was born in Mecca. Now, problem. I can't show you Muhammad because it wouldn't be right. I'll tell you why in a bit. But in the meantime, here's his name in Arabic. Nice. Back in the day, Mecca was a lawless place. The only way to be safe was to have backup. Lots of rich big brothers who'd beat up anyone who got in your way. So the place was ruled by the most powerful families who could do pretty much what they wanted. And religion didn't help. By this t- I think it's paused, Josh. It paused. Okay. The audio was good, but the video was not keeping up or did not keep going. Okay. Or if you want, you can just key up the last one, which talks about how the Jehovah's Witnesses got their Bible. What's that? It's not going to work? Okay. Which one are we uh, on right now? I'm, I'm totally confused. Okay, gotcha. So you guys are able to see it on TV? You see? If you come to church, you get blessed. You see that? The people that are at church get to see what's going on on the television right now. Okay? But because of time, let me just say this. Let me just say this. Okay? Uh, On that, and you have an actual Muslim giving us the actual account of how everything got started. All right? Uh, Basically, Muhammad saw a vision of what he believed was the angel Gabriel, and the angel Gabriel began to give Muhammad... Uh, this new uh, information, which is where we get the book of Quran or the Quran from, and of course that started the whole Muslim faith. And then uh, I was going to show you another video of how the Jehovah's Witnesses got started and how they got their Bible, which is called the New World Translation of the Bible. And sadly, what they did is they added certain material to their Bible in order to make their doctrine or to fit their doctrine uh, to their belief system. So they added and they also took away certain things and then we read a little while ago that that's one of the things that's forbidden by God to either add something or take away something from the original scriptures. So which one are we uh, going for right now? Actually, let's just go ahead and bring it to a close. We're good. We're going to bring it to a close right now. So here's the bottom line, church. Okay, In my hand right now In my hand right now, I have the Book of Mormon, and I have the New World Translation, uh, which is from the Jehovah's Witnesses, and I have the Quran, and I also have the Holy. Bible. Church, which one are we going to follow? Which one are we going to believe? Which one are we going to live by? Are we going to live by the Bible or by these other things that the Bible says? Don't even listen to that. Don't even pay attention to that. Don't even go there. Even if an angel comes and tells you something that is not part of the gospel, not part of what you heard that got you saved in the first place, turn away from it. Turn away from it. Don't allow yourself to be deceived. Let me just close with the final with a with a scripture that we started off here in eight verse eight nine of Galatians chapter one. It says this: But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach a gospel other than the one we preach to you, let them be under God's curse, as we have already said. So now I say again, if anybody is preaching to you a gospel other than what you accepted, let them be under God's curse. I'm not saying it. God's saying it. All this stuff is not of any valuable value to you or to me who have chosen to put our faith in this book, only this book, and nothing but this book called the Holy Bible, the Word of God, which is the only truth. Can you say amen, church? Let's pray right now. Father, in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, Lord. It's very sad. It's very sad that there are so many people around the world searching for you, Lord seeking after you with a sincere desire to want to know you, the true and living God. And yet, because of all these other writings, of all these other things that people have put out, we have so much confusion and we have so much deception and we have so many people that are lost. Lord, we pray for those that are seeking after you, that somehow, someway, they will discover you, Jesus, as a Messiah, as a Savior, and as the Lord. Lord Jesus, help us to protect our own salvation. Help us not to be deceived. If you're out there right now and you say, Jerry, I am not a Christian. I have never surrendered my life to Jesus. If I were to die today or if Jesus were to come, I'm not sure if I would go to heaven. If that's you here tonight, just... Lift up your hand. Or those of you that are watching online, if you want to receive the Lord, just let's go before God right now. I'm going to lead you in a prayer of repentance. Just say these words. Father, in the name of Jesus, I recognize that I am a sinner. And on my own, I don't deserve to go to heaven. On my own, I don't deserve forgiveness. But Lord Jesus, tonight I cry out to you and receive you as my Lord and my Savior that through your blood and body I might receive forgiveness of sin and eternal life in heaven. I thank you for that gift of salvation that you offer to all mankind. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. God bless you, church. Let me just say a prayer blessing over you. Father, in the name of Jesus, just pray this. We pray for this congregation to be blessed. We pray for those that are watching online to be blessed. And that, Lord God, whatever we may be going through here tonight, that we, Lord God, would submit it and surrender it totally to you as our Lord, as our God, and as our Savior. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said... Amen. God bless you guys. Thank you so much for coming tonight. Amen.